Right, good morning. Uh, today we're on Hebrews 11, and it's known as the chapter on faith and also the hall of faith. So in verse 1, it defines for us what faith is. It's faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then in verse 2, it says that this is what the people in the Bible were commended for. So it's assurance and conviction um, of of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. And this is such a challenge to how to live um, life this way. Um, even though it's really challenging, this is a life of faith that God commends. And so what does faith look like? And we see it portrayed in the lives of many people throughout the Bible. Um, it says, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Enoch taken up so that he should not see death and was not, uh, and, and he was not found. Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was, he, uh, was to receive as an inheritance. And then he went out not knowing where he was going. He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Sarah conceived power, uh, received power to conceive even when she was past the age. And all um, died in faith, not having received things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. And so one picture of faith that I see here from Noah, Abraham, and Sarah is this picture of obedience to some promise or instruction that God gives. Noah listened to the warning of God, and even though he didn't know what was coming, he began to construct the ark. Abraham, he listened to God, calling him out, but he didn't know where he was going. Sarah listened to God's promise that she would conceive even though though physically it seemed impossible to conceive due to her age. So the picture of faith here is listening to God and acting upon it even if we don't know exactly what will happen, where we are going, or how it's going to be possible. So the what, where, and how. These are important questions whenever we think about making a decision. And in fact, any leader would say, these are the questions you need to ask in order to make a plan. So is God saying these are questions that we shouldn't be asking or seeking answers to? Um, No, I don't think that's what God is saying. But I think what God is saying is that the most important thing is that we respond to God and not let the what, where, how questions keep us from obeying. How would these questions actually end up keeping us from obeying God? I think um, it's if I don't move forward unless these things are figured out first. I know that God wants me to share the gospel with my family members, but you get stuck on the how questions. You keep thinking about uh, when is that perfect time or that perfect question or that perfect scenario that doesn't come and the net result is no obedience. Or maybe it's that I know that I should speak some truth and deal with this relational conflict, but I need that perfect situation, a perfect sentence or way to bring it up to that person. And since that time never comes, the net result, again, is silence. So there's no movement towards obedience because the how isn't figured out. Or I know that God is wanting to embrace the world, embrace our community. Some of us involved in the 5-2 initiative of going into our community. It's exciting. We feel moved, perhaps even passionate about this. But as you're sitting there thinking about the how, where, um, what question, nothing actually ends up materializing into anything. 
what is it actually going to look like for me to go into Oakland and try to love these kids? So much thinking, but the net result is no obedience because you don't actually get your body to move towards what God is calling us to do. What would Abraham's life have looked like? He hears God's call to go. He answers back, when do you want me, where do you want me to go? God says, just go. Or Sarah, who would have answered, how is this going to happen? I'm old. I don't have it within me. I don't have what it takes to have a child. Um, I don't have, and for us, it's maybe, I don't have the skill or talent. I'm not like this or that. What is the net, the net result of that kind of thinking? I think it's a lack of movement towards what God is doing. It's the constant feeling and sense of, I don't think this is going to work. And this is a picture of faithlessness. And I think as we get older, we need to be careful not to live a faithless life. And what I mean by faithless is not suddenly you're going to um, not be following God. No, I think faithless in, this, um, in the sense of there isn't obedience and this sort of childlikeness of following because we need to have the questions of what, where, and how answered. And as life gets more complicated and we just know more as we grow older, we need to be careful that this doesn't cause us to become paralyzed and not move in obedience. Verse 16 says, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so living by faith, as hard as it is, is much easier done when we realize that we have a final destination, which is an eternal home with God in heaven. And I think that's probably why life becomes so hard for people, because their time on earth is short, and if they don't get what they want or something terrible happens, then what hope is left? Uh, for some, they might eventually just live for their children or grandchildren, but with the time, the, the younger generation doesn't connect with them. Life is sad with a lot of unfulfilled wishes and dreams. Yet if we keep in mind that what is to come will end on a high note, the happiest, blessed, and awesome note, then it's possible to endure any difficulty here on earth. We can have many failed expectations about ourselves, our careers, our family situation, and our failures in ministry. And yet even though even through those things, we can endure it because we have the promise of heaven. In the next set of verses, um, we see how another aspect of faith is not allowing fears to dominate and dictate how I live. In verse 30, uh, 23, it says, They were not afraid of the king's edict. Verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. Um, I think when we're afraid, it's so easy to cave into the circumstances around us. We know that um, we know what that feels like as a teenager to cave into peer pressure and as a result make bad decisions. And as, as a young Christian, we also know that fear can cause us to cave into pressures and as a result make faithless decisions. We're afraid of what our parents, friends, extended family will think. We're afraid of what others think of me, whether they will like me or not, accept me or not, think of me as competent or not. And in verse 23, it says, Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's edict. Verse 27, it says, Moses was not afraid of the anger of the king. And it was the not giving into fears that resulted in faith being able to be birthed. When I think about the opposite, uh, then I think about the opposite could be said as well, that giving into our fears is a faith killer. Are these fears that we're giving into, are there fears that we're giving into today? Though we don't have kings and enemies pursuing after us, there are many things that can cause us fear. 
from fear of what others think to us, fears of what's going to happen to our kids, fears of my future, fears of not measuring up, fears of looking incompetent or lame. And these fears keep us from stepping out in faith and hence become faith killers. Towards the end, verses 39 and 40, is that the people of faith did not receive the promise. And so what is that promise? It's the reality of Jesus' coming as the Son of God. And the heroes of faith remain steadfast even without receiving that promise. So then how much more we who have come to know about Jesus' saving work ought to have that much greater confidence to hold on to our faith. And then uh, Hebrews 12 verse 1 is, um, is how we are called to respond in light of all the heroes of faith. I imagine us as runners in a race and the cloud of witnesses are gathered in heaven cheering us on. Of course, this is just the imagery, but it's encouraging to think about how the heroes of faith who ran ahead, even though they didn't have many examples before them, nor the promise, they remained faithful and true to God. For me to run this race will involve laying aside the things that can hinder me, the sin and idols and loves for this world. Do not pursue those things that I may fully run my race as hard as I can. And as we receive this baton from those before us, know that we will also be passing this baton to those after us. So we formed this important link of faith, past, present, and future. And so let's together run this race of faith with endurance until we are all before God in heaven. Amen.